0: Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Welcome back to So You Want to Be a Witch. I am your host, Sarah M. Chapel, and we have a super duper special guest today, Teresa Reed, the tarot lady. Like literally, that's the title. I love it so much. Teresa is a tarot reader, astrologer, author of books such as Tarot for Troubled Times and Astrology for Real Life, and is such an inspiration to all of us who want to have soul-centered businesses and actually support people and make money doing what we love. Teresa, welcome. Thank you for being
1: here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you today, Sarah. I am super excited because I've been aware of your work
0: for like the entire time that I've known tarot and we've gotten to chat a little bit over the past couple of months, which has been such a treat. And I'd love to know, like, did you know you were going to be a tarot reader when you grew up?
1: Oh, my God. No, (laughs) no. I always laugh when I say nobody ever says, I want to grow up and be a tarot reader, especially, (laughs) you know, back in the day, because um, my career started uh, about 30 years ago. But even when I was a kid, you know, I was doing tarot as a teenager, but it's not what I ever thought I'd be doing for a living. I always thought I was going to be a makeup artist. That was the thing I wanted to do. I wanted to do something artsy. And um, somehow everything just kind of went in a different direction. And here I am for almost 30 years. It's weird. <laughs> Is it weird to look back and be, I mean, these, these lives, we can't, we really can't
0: imagine where they'll end up.
1: No, you know, it's really funny because many, many years ago, I actually had a palm reading by some hippie on a beach. <laughs> and, and this hippie told me, he said, listen, you're going to be a businesswoman. You're going to run your own business. You'll never need a man for anything. And at the time I thought, business because you know your whole concept of business I think when you're really young is very different than what business can look like so I'm thinking of people in suits with briefcases I thought (laughs) business I don't have any business skills what kind of business would I run I could not wrap my head around that part and much less even think about something like tarot as a business but again it wasn't it was only a few short years later that it all started to unfold
0: so tell us, how did you come to be reading tarot as a teenager? What's your, what's your story of getting into the, I don't know, I was like, what, what do we even call it? Sometimes I say like the weird side of life. I mean, I definitely didn't grow up thinking like I'm going to be a tarot reader. So
1: how did you end up here? Well, you know, I grew up in a very in- in a very superstitious, intuitive family. So Mm -hmm. the whole thing about intuition and that, that was never like a foreign thing to me. It was something I was very comfortable with. Uh, My family are old farm folks. So, you know, farm folks tend to be people who trust their intuition and they pay attention to like the moon for planting and fishing and all of that. So there are things that I grew up with that kind of paved the way. But I also grew up in this very rural area where things like tarot and astrology you know, we're not really a big thing. And it, this is also back before we had the Internet. So I actually came upon all of it, like, by accident. I, um, When I was in high school, there was a girl that I became friends with. We're still friends to this day. And uh, she was a fella oddball like me. I've always been weird. You know, I always remember kids calling me weird. And I used to think, wow, that's really awful. But I kind of liked it, too, because I never wanted to be like anybody else. (laughs) Uh, And I never could identify with these farm kids. I always felt like an alien. Even amongst my own family, I felt like one. But so I met this fellow misfit in high school. And her mother was incredibly unusual. She was not like the regular moms. She didn't want you to call her Mrs. So-and-so. She wanted to be called Lolly. She was a pianist. She was a chain smoker. She was a psychologist. (laughs) And she was really into astrology. So one day when I was 15, she did an astrology reading for me. And I thought, wow. Now this makes a lot of sense, and so from that day forward, I became obsessed with astrology. And on one of the very rare occasions when we went to the local mall, which wasn't local—I mean, it was a, for us—that was a trek. Um, there was a bookstore there, and I was always at the bookstore. You would never find me in the clothes stores. I'd always go to the bookstore, <laughs> and I went in there to get an astrology book in the tiny little metaphysical section, and I saw a tarot deck. Now, like most of us, we've seen tarot decks on on shows or movies or whatnot, where there's always this fortune teller predicting death for like James Bond. So I said, oh my God, I'm going to take this home. And I took it home on a whim, fell in love with it, and then just started doing tarot consistently. I studied tarot and astrology with whatever I could get my hands on. And I basically read for whoever whoever would allow me. And then when I was about 27, it turned into a business.
0: I'm like sitting here, like with you in the bookstore, because I was that same way. And I'm not quite pre-internet, but definitely not what we had now. Like we, I still went to physical bookstores to the metaphysical section and was like pouring over things, hoping that I could sneak one home without my parents noticing. Um, <laughs> I, I wonder, you know, that that ability to to actually have to go and find information. Um, uh-huh. Do you feel like it's different now? And I, I'm always kind of curious about. Like, it was, it was amazing because we can get books for anything. You can find everybody's interpretation of tarot on the internet. Yep. Uh, what, what do you think, is there any benefit or, or, or any thoughts about the experience you had in terms of having to learn this, like, on your own through the resources you could find?
1: I had to learn the hard way. I had to learn, I mean, there was nothing. I had no teachers, nothing. I, I'm not kidding. I was in a rural area. There was Nothing. Um, Very few books. And so when I got started, a lot of it was like I tough luck. I was on my own, which I look at that now in a really good way because I didn't have anything to really color my thinking and I could really just learn by doing the work. And I think there's something about that that's very good. It really forces you to have to, if you want it bad enough, you are really forced them to have to work really hard to find the info and to study and to find the people. Uh, but that being said, I think there is an advantage to having this internet up there now. The advantage is you can find the information. So it doesn't matter if you're in a rural area. It doesn't matter if you're in the middle of the desert you have access to this information. I think having that access is so, so important because there are many people who, especially back in the day, like me, who really struggled to find the access. If you did not live in a city, it was rough. And also starting a business, it's easier than ever for anyone to get a business started and to begin making a living doing this. Now, when I started doing this for my full-time career, again, wasn't an internet, It was a lot of word of mouth. It was doing a lot of parties, a lot of events, um, having to put up with a lot of stuff that you don't have to when you're online. It was rough. It was the wild, wild west. And also back then, there was a lot of ignorance around the work. It's way more mainstream now. So the fact that it is, that tarot and astrology are more acceptable also makes it a lot easier. The only problem is because it's easier, there are sometimes people who think, well, I'll just pick up a tarot deck and I'll start a business right away. And they don't understand that, wait a minute, you do actually have to learn about business and you have to learn about the art of reading. You can't just pick up a deck and boom, instant business. That's the only thing I don't like.
0: I want to put a pin in that because I want to come back to that. But before we we go into your experience of starting the business and then, yes, the insta business instagram insta business land uh, which is so fascinating and challenging Um, i want to know for you what are
1: tarot and astrology like what are these tools sure Uh, so tarot is a deck of 78 cards and the cards all have images on them archetypal images and basically a tarot reader what they do is they look at the images how the cards go together the story that they're telling the context of the question and the person that is sitting in front of them and they put it all together to try to ascertain what where this person may be heading and what the best path may be. Astrology is the science of looking at the stars and how those pertain to us here down on earth. You know, the astrologers believe that the time that you're born tells a lot about your personality and the transits and the stars in the sky can also show us operating at this time and how to best work with that energy. So basically, they're both about working with energy to navigate your life. They're tools.
0: Awesome. I'm always curious. I mean, I think we, we all have different perspectives on that and Navigating, navigating energy in your life is such a beautiful way of putting it. Um, what do you say to folks or, or what is your experience? And I wonder if this something came up a lot when you were starting um, about, you know, fate and, and the future. Uh, do you think
1: the future is fixed? Um, no, I think that there are some things that maybe there might be some destiny, but we always have. A choice so for example a child can be a prodigy maybe they know how to play piano early on they have great skill and they're they're destined for success so it might seem faded that wow this is gonna be the next Elton John but they might decide at some point that maybe I want to be a plumber and then they change their whole fate so there are certain things I think that we have certain aptitudes certain skills we have certain things in our life that maybe we are kind of like leaning towards but you can make a decision at any time in your life to change things. So I think um, the future is malleable and it's a matter of, and it's also based on a matter of uh, the choices we make.
0: Yeah. Awesome. I, I, what kind of feedback did you get in the back in the days of the wild, wild West? What, what were you running into when you were like, I'm a tarot reader.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Back then I rolls. People putting up their <laughs> ears in a little cross and hissing at me. <laughs> uh, I know. Oh so was, do you know what was really strange, Sarah? When I was a kid doing it, nobody said boo to me. Nobody said a thing. My parents were too busy. They didn't even care about any of this stuff. When I started doing it for a living and getting out in the real world as an adult, that was the first time I had ever heard in my life that some people thought it was evil. And I'm like, What? You got to be kidding me. So, you know, there was a lot of ignorance, uh, but there were also a lot of amazing people that were super supportive, that really loved my work. And some of those people are still clients to this day, you know, that they've just been phenomenally supportive of everything that I do. But um, there were incidents that were really frightening. Uh, Like, for example, one of the stories I love to tell is the time I was reading in a bar And I had a man come up and start screaming in my face and talking about you're going to hell and all kinds of other horrible things. And then he started trying to get physical. And there were a group of men who jumped in. They quickly grabbed him and took him outside and were, like, beating him or whatever. But I think back to stuff like that, I'm like, oh, my God, I had people threatening to beat me up back then. Isn't that crazy?
0: It is, but people are so challenged by the unknown or or the things that they fear. It's, it's, I mean, we see it now on the internet. I'm sure you get great comments. I get great comments (laughs) of people, but now there's a screen between you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting because um, on the internet, you know, you, you get a couple weirdos here and there too, but again, it doesn't have that same level of physical violence and yeah. threats that I had back in the day. So I think the screen is very wonderful and the internet is wonderful for, especially for women doing this work yes. or LGBTQ people who are doing this work as well. You have something to separate you from the people that might be really, really scary.
0: Yeah. When you were when you were experiencing this, did you ever think about stopping?
1: Nope. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a stubborn girl. Once I get, <laughs> once I have my mindset uh, to something, then I'm like, oh, oh, hell no, I'm going to keep going. And if anything, if I get challenged by a man, I'm even more likely to stay with it. Now this is where I'm sounding <laughs> kind of like a rebel, but you know, it's really funny. Um, when I first started my business, I was I was actually bartending at the time. And I was doing the cards at the bar and so many people were coming in and saying, wow, we'd really like to pay you more for more in-depth info. And I said, well, maybe I'm going to start this as a business. And the owner of the bar went and told everybody I would be a failure because nobody would pay for it. And you know what I did, Sarah? I quit my job immediately. That was my sign from the universe. And I said, okay, this dude is daring me. Okay, buddy. And so I quit. And my business has been going for 30 years and his business closed down two years later. <laughs> so never challenge me. If it's, if I get a dare from some dude, you better believe I'm probably going to end up following through on it. So.
0: <laughs> I think that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that stubbornness has served you well, though. And I I actually think stubbornness is something that business owners uh, would do well to cultivate.
1: (laughs) Yes. You actually need a little bit of stubbornness to do business. Otherwise, you become a business doormat. And by the way, that has actually been the hardest lesson in my business is the boundaries. Boundaries are tough. So a little bit of stubbornness goes a long way.
0: Can you share more about that? Because I know we have a lot of listeners who are are starting their businesses and starting in like these service service positions, whether it's doing tarot or astrology and working with humans um, who do not necessarily respect boundaries. Uh, what have you learned there?
1: If you can start your business with good policies and boundaries right out of the gate you're going to be far happier in your business than if you don't. And I didn't have any, because I didn't know anything about business when I got started. I knew nothing. And I I came from a bartender waitress background where oftentimes bartenders and waitresses take a lot of crap. Uh, And before that I worked at an anarchist newspaper, you know, so I was used to dealing with a lot of really funky energy and people who are, you know, sometimes really not respecting people's personal space. So needless to say, That coupled with my childhood background, the boundaries, I was like, oh my God, if the customer's always right, I gotta be nice and blah, blah, blah. I had some very awful experiences. And every once in a while, I'll still get someone trying to pull a stunt with me. But I am so clear in my boundaries. I'm so utterly clear that it's rare now that it happens. So, my advice for people who are listening get very clear on what you will or won't put up with, make sure your policies are listed so that people understand exactly how you work and exactly what happens. For example, if they pull a no show, what happens? What happens if they do a last minute cancellation? What happens if they dicker with you about your prices? You know, you have to be really clear about these things and you have to spell it out. But then more importantly, you have to enforce those rules. And that's going to mean that some people are not going to like you. But you have got to have the courage to be disliked. Because when you are a business owner and when you enforce your boundaries, there are going to be people that don't like that. They want exceptions. They, they're they entitled. And I like to say the customer is not always right. And you have to be happy in your business. And every day should be a great day in your business. So set those boundaries up immediately and enforce them. And do not be afraid of what that means. Oof.
0: So good. And I love what you said about the fact that people are not going to like you. I think that yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a given, right? If we're doing our jobs right, we're actually standing for something and holding good boundaries. And there are going to be folks who are like, fuck this.
1: Oh, yeah. And they get mad and they want to go leave a bad review or something to get revenge. It's really <laughs> terrible. But you know what? You have to be okay with that, too. You One thing is you have to have, and I'm a sensitive gal, don't get me wrong. But you have to have a bit of a thick skin if you are a business provider or an author Because sometimes people are not going to like you just for showing up and being you. And you got to be okay with that. You have to be okay with the fact that someone's going to get mad at you one day and leave a bad review. You have to be okay that one day someone's going to be mad and they're going to tell a bunch of people what a terrible business person you are. These things do happen to every business. And, you know, I've got a lot of friends in the restaurant business, and they really take a beating. We can learn a lot from them. They take a big beating the public can be quite cruel so you have got to be not just firm in your boundaries but you got to be okay with that you got to learn to tune a lot of it out
0: so since you started your business without knowing anything about business as you said how I mean, how did you learn it's just a series of trial and error and bad boundaries
1: and fuck ups like what what was the journey Oh, God, it was all the school of hard knocks, Sarah. <laughs> you know, I remember getting a business book when I was in the beginning to figure out things like how to set up my record keeping and taxes, because, of course, you know, that was one of my things I was the most paranoid about. Um, and to set up myself, you know, all with the checkbook and all the legal stuff that you need. So I did that in the beginning of my business just to get legit. I did not know how to market. I did not know boundaries. I did not know how to deal with the general public. I mean, all of it had to be learned. And so that just meant making some mistakes along the way and then saying, oh, never again. And even to this day, there's still times where something happens. I'm like, oh, never again. Mm -mm. (laughs) That's ended. And that sometimes can only happen through that. Um, So I would say that for me, most of it's been really hard. And I love teaching my fellow tarot people about how to run a business so that they can avoid... The mistakes that I made because I made plenty.
0: (laughs) Do you have any good examples you'd like to share with us here? I bet everyone would love to hear a a mistake or two. Oh,
1: there's so many mistakes. So here's some, I'll tell you some of the fun stories that maybe aren't so fun, but these are some boundary issues. Um, So sometimes I've had clients who wouldn't take no for an answer. I would say, you're not my client anymore. We're done. And one time I had a person that I fired. I don't remember what she did anymore, but I'm like, I'm never working with you again. This person went and called for an appointment using a fake name. And they showed up in my office wearing a disguise. And I'm I was sitting down there laying the cards. I'm like, wait a minute. I said, This is you. I said, what are you doing here? And she goes, Well, um, I really needed a reading. I said, I fired you. She goes, Yeah, but I needed a reading. <laughs> Isn't that the most crazy thing you've ever heard? Well, one of the things that I do, and this this didn't happen until much later, is I now have an intake form and I make people prepay. That way, there is no fudging a fake name and they have got to fill out that intake form so I know exactly who they are, why they're coming, and what to expect. So there's no surprises like that. <laughs> so that's one story. And I mean, it's a real extreme story. I, I mean, can you believe someone shows up in a disguise? Disguise. <laughs> <I can't laughs> yeah, <reading. laughs> yeah, it, it happened to me. And it's one of my weird stories. Um, you know, and, and another story too about, uh, again, a boundary issue. Uh, I used to do tarot parties and I never liked them. I never enjoyed them. I hated them. And the reason why is because I'm actually highly introverted. I'm very friendly. So people assume I'm an extrovert. And while I can get up on a stage and you can put a mic in my hand and I can do good on stage, I'm actually introverted. I'm very much into intimacy. I like working one-on-one with people. But I used to do all these parties because I assumed you had to do these parties. And they were very good money. And oftentimes there would be some of my worst experiences in dealing with clients happened during these parties. So I started getting really depressed. And this all should have been assigned to me. This is not right for you. You shouldn't be doing this. This isn't the way you should be working. Uh, But I did it anyways, because again, I thought I needed the money. And so many of us, we think, oh my God, I need the money. And we get, we'll oftentimes do stuff that's not appropriate for us. So anyhow, needless to say, the last party I did, I went in there and I sat down and it was for a client I really loved. And I'm doing the readings and all of a sudden in comes a client that I fired And this was a client that got fired for a very good reason. And I remember that reason. And our exchange was testy and it was nasty. This person came in at that party and sat down at my tarot table. So there I am. And I'm sitting there like, well, I'm going to have to be a pro. I have no choice now. I have to do this reading because I'm not going to let the hostess down. But I walked out of there and this person was smirking. They knew they won. But I walked out of there and I said, you know what, Teresa, that's your sign from the universe. You are not going to do these parties. So the moral of the story in that story was that you have to really recognize how you need to work. And you have to honor what works best for you. Now, terrible parties are lucrative. You will make a lot of money doing them. But if you're an introvert like me, if you're somebody who has boundary issues, that is going to be a place that can be very, very difficult. You can set up sky high boundaries, but you don't know what kind of people are going to show up drunk or not. And if you can't handle that, then you have no business doing that. So, again, if I would look back now, one of the things I probably would say to myself, my younger self, is you shouldn't be doing tarot parties. It does not suit your nature. You are a one on one person. One on one is what I need to do. So, that's another really good lesson for people who are listening. Know how you work best, know how you're happiest doing your work. If you're happy being in the center of a party, Doing astrology readings, have at it. If you want to work in a coffee shop reading for people, one-on-one and meeting them that way, awesome. If you're somebody who has a private office and you're doing acupuncture and you don't want to share an office with another acupuncturist, that's awesome. Know what works best for you and really do some work around that because if you're not happy or if you're uncomfortable, you know what, that's going to impact the way you work.
0: Oh, yes. And I, I want to pick up something you have mentioned a couple of times here, which is firing clients. And I think a lot of folks start their business and have this idea that we have to take, just like these parties, right? You have to take, you got to take the money where it comes. We're afraid, we're nervous. And, and I know a lot of folks have a hard time firing clients. How were you able to shift that energy around all of these things to really stand up for what you need so that you can do your best work?
1: Well, I was terrified of firing clients in the beginning for that very reason. I needed the money. You know, I'm not somebody who comes from a wealthy background. I come from a very poor background. You know, again, my parents were simple farm folks. We didn't have money. I didn't have a grant to start my business. I didn't have any support coming from my partner. My partner's an artist. I mean, you got an artist and a tarot reader? Come on now. You know, so, (laughs) and my husband also has that, that hippie money is dirty attitude. So, I mean, there was first of all, a lot of money mindset stuff that we had to unpack together as a couple, but there was that fear that I have to put up with this. The customer is always right. I got to take this crap. This client did a no show. I got to let them come back. Oh my God, what did they leave? You know, what did they say something mean about my business? So there was so much fear until one day I had to fire somebody. And I mean, one of the first big people that I remember firing was a gentleman who came in for a reading. And while I was doing a reading, and he had a couple of readings with me, but all of a sudden he was doing something under the table. And you catch my, (sighs) yeah, yeah. And I flipped out and I was really scared. So needless to say, got him out of the office. He got fired immediately. It was scary, but I felt safe then. And I remember at the time thinking, you need to feel like this all the time. And so I got over my fear of it. And there were times where I had to like, let people know, I don't think we're a good fit. This isn't working for me. And, you know, it's not easy to do that. You can let them down gently. It's not me. It's not it's you. you know, it's, it's not you. It's me. Whatever you got to do. But when you fire people, you create space for better people to show up. Now, one of the things that I recommend for people who are listening is you have an intake form. Now, the intake form is new for me. I've had that for about two years. That actually weans people out and it, it will scare off your wrong people. Being very clear about who you are online having very clear wording on your web copy, this will also help your right people to find you and it will help people to self-select. It's very rare now that I get clients that are not a good fit for me because the people who are not a good fit, they read my words and they know it or they look at that intake form like I don't want to fill this out. <laughs> you know, And that, that helps. And sometimes when people pull, pull out an intake form, you can tell exactly what you're dealing with. So you're prepared. You can say, oh, my God, this person is going to be difficult. And you know to get ready for that. So I would say for people who are listening, get an intake form. It's going to save you a lot of grief. And don't be afraid to fire somebody. It's going to suck. It's going to hurt. It gets easier. And when you do it, you're going to feel a lot better not to have to deal with that.
0: I so appreciate you sharing, you know, kind of centering this, like how you want to feel in your business, because I see a lot of new business owners, like that's like the last thing they think about. (laughs) They're like, I'll be fine. I'm just going to steamroll myself. I just need to, I'll worry about how I feel when I am making money or when I have this or when I have that. And it doesn't work that way. Because I mean, I can only imagine the reason you have sustained a successful business for so long is because you have learned how to take care of yourself.
1: Yeah. And you have to, and you know, the older I get, I mean, I'm now starting to edge towards retirement age and I'm also moving more into doing authorly things. I've, I've written a few books. I've got new books coming out. I've got new book deals coming out. My whole life is moving in a very different direction now. So I'm doing a lot less client work and that's changing the whole nature of the beast. And it's also allowing me to be even more discerning with who I take on as a client. And every day I have to ask myself, does this feel like it's going to be a good day? And you need to be doing that in the get-go. You shouldn't wait till you're getting your retirement age to figure that out. Because again, if you're miserable in your business, it shows. And also people who are miserable in their business, who take on any old client and put up with any old BS, they are the people who end up burning out and they end up closing their doors. I have seen it happen. I've outlasted many of my peers because they get frustrated, they get burnt out, And they start to hate their work. And I never want to hate my work. I love my work.
0: The burnout is really, the burnout is really real though. And I see folks yeah. come up and, and go out just in like a year or so. It doesn't have to take very long. Um, in addition to the, the boundaries, are there things that you do to support yourself so that you can sustain? Cause something else that, you know, I think I've, I think I've seen you or read you say something, you know, is that a lot of folks who read tarot, that's actually not their primary income, even if they do yeah. have a business, they're teaching or they're doing books and things like that, but you've been a reader for such a long time. And that's a huge energy. Energy expense, I imagine. What do you? What have you done to to make that sustainable for thirty years?
1: Yeah, well, I'm a high volume reader too. I do a lot of readings, not as much yeah. anymore because again, I'm getting old, and I, I'm <laughs> kind of like, I'm like, hey, I want to be doing more writing. I've, I've got, you know, that's where my brain is headed towards. Um, but I, I've I've done many, many, many readings, and it's been full time. This is my gig. I do not have. Another job, the only thing I do on the side is a little yoga studio, but that doesn't even make money, it's a labor of love. It's basically me goofing off and doing yoga with my (laughs) favorite people. Sounds Um, awesome! Oh my god, it's the best. We and I bake brownies for these yogis, and we just have so much fun. But there's many ways that I sustain myself. Um, My meditation and yoga practice help me quiet time, unplugging um, that really helps a lot. And that's been hard for me because I'm a workaholic, I've had to learn how to unplug. So that's been very, very challenging. But also I live a very drama-free life. There's no drama in my life. My life is quiet. I have wonderful relationships with my children and my husband. I only keep good people around me. Uh, The drama is kept to an absolute minimum as soon as somebody in my life wants to be dramatic. And by dramatic, I'm talking like they're disturbing my energy with BS. I don't allow that in my life. My life needs to be drama free so that I can show up for my clients as the best version of myself so a quiet life really helps a lot lots of quiet time lots of time alone quiet mornings reading journaling yoga meditation that is the stuff that sustains me
0: that I think is a place where that burnout really comes in too so, but- Folks are starting out and have that the the hustle fear mindset and don't leave any of that room and it, it impacts not just you but it impacts the work right. You're talking about being able to show up as the best version of yourself for your clients when you're doing high volume volume readings. That's that's a lot of you.
1: Oh my god, yes. I mean because you know tarot is a very intimate act. Yes. You are connecting with people's energy, so it is super intimate, and you have got to have time carved out so that you are present. You don't want to be showing up, for example, if you're, if you're tired. If I don't get a good night's sleep, oh my God, Sarah, I am not <laughs> a happy camper. That's why for me, sleep is one of my favorite things. I'm in bed oftentimes by nine o'clock at night. And that may sound like, oh my God, what an old third. She's in bed early. No, it's because I want to be really present for my clients. And if I'm exhausted, That's not any good. This is also one of the reasons why I don't do work early in the morning. I don't start my work until the afternoon because I want to make sure just in case I'm waking up in the middle of the night that I can sleep in late enough so that I am present for my clients. I've I've met readers who will do readings hungover or stoned or they're doing readings when they've got too much stress going on in their lives. And you know what? You can tell when you get a reading from those people. I think it's very irresponsible. I think if you are going to be a reader or a healer, you've got to make sure you take care of yourself first. Because if you're a hungover reader, if you're running late, if you're unorganized, if you're a hot mess, you are doing damage to yourself. But also you your work impacts another human being's life. Yes. You've got to be at your very best. And also during times in my life when I was having my own challenges, because I have a very challenging family, uh, most of them have passed on, though. Uh, back in the day, of course, having my own healers to help me to deal with those situations so I could show up and be good is really important. So I would say for a lot of readers, if, you've, if your own personal life is messy, get therapy, get counseling, work with healers. Again, you really want to take good care of you because you certainly don't want to show up half-baked for your clients.
0: I really appreciate you saying that, you know, it's, there's so much pressure, I think, to, to keep producing. (laughs) Um, And, and folks have a, it can be really hard to recognize how important it is to care for ourselves. And, you know, listeners to the show know, and I'll be candid, you know, here is that I pulled back from doing readings because I've been sick and wasn't, I just wasn't able to. And it was really hard for me to admit that because I love it. Um, But I was like, I'm not doing my best work and I can't, I can't serve at the level that I want to. And having to kind of cut off a a limb of myself has been hard, but I think it is ultimately responsible. And this remembering that we have a responsibility to be the best we possibly can for folks because we are impacting people's lives. Like this isn't, despite doing parties, this isn't a party game. (laughs) It's not a party trick.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, and when you are decided that you're going to sit down and you're going to be doing readings or healings or Reiki or anything for people, it's kind of like this. If I went to my dentist and my dentist had brown teeth, that's yeah. <laughs> I would be probably, and if he showed up drunk, I would probably not feel very confident or happy working with him, right? Right. We have to think about ourselves like that too, that we have got to make our self-care so, so important. And if you're not feeling up to it, if you're going through a rough time, healer, heal thyself first. Take a timeout. Take a sabbatical. And don't be afraid to ask for help. That's one thing I'm very good at is asking for help. And, I, you know, I've been very fortunate. I've got wonderful healers in my life. I've got wonderful people who offer therapy in my life. So anytime there's been drama or issues back in the day, I have been wise enough to say, you know what, Teresa, you got to take a day off. Go get a massage call up Diane, tell her you need to talk, it just makes a huge difference. And, you know, by the way, I will also say for readers who are listening and healers, we also absorb the energy of our clients. We don't even realize that. And so sometimes I would find that I would be walking around feeling depressed. And I'm like, girl, you've got nothing to feel depressed about. And you're not really somebody who naturally is depressed. What is going on here? And when I would work with my healers or counselors, what I would entangle is a lot of times because I'm very empathic, people's issues were affecting me and I needed to talk it out and find a way to release that. So another thing that we have to keep in mind, it's not just about healing our lives, but sometimes you're taking on other people's issues and you've got to make sure you have a way to release that because that can also impact your well being.
0: Oh my gosh! <laughs> the the truth. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so true. And I'm glad you say that as well, because I see sometimes, especially in, in internet land, like there's a lot of like shaming of of like readers and healers who end up taking on people's energy. Like if your boundaries were any good, that wouldn't be a problem. I was <laughs> <It's> like, well,
1: <laughs> well, one of the things I say is, you know, I have very lousy boundaries, and that's what makes me good at the work that I do. You have Uh, to have kind of weak boundaries, porous boundaries, in order to work with people's energy. But that doesn't mean you get to be a doormat. You Mm -hmm. have to have your rules and policies, but there's something about those porous boundaries that really allows us to connect with people and merge with them. You can't do that if you have iron around you.
0: So I'd love to know, Teresa, we talked about some of the... the... (laughs) Really terrifying challenges that you've experienced over the years. What have you loved about being a tarot reader
1: for 30 years? Number one, I love the freedom of running my own business. I don't take orders very well, (laughs) as you might have guessed. (laughs) So I am better off as an entrepreneur um, because I like doing my own thing. I'm extremely independent. And so the wonderful thing about being self employed is that I call the shots, I call the rules. I get to live my life the way I want to. I can be as weird as I want and there's nothing I can do about it. I don't have to wear a uniform. I can work in my yoga pants. I can work with the cat on my lap. Um, You know, there's so many wonderful things about that. The freedom is the best thing. The freedom to be utterly me and not have to conform to something is probably the greatest thing. The other thing I like is that You know, if you really work at it, you can make a very good living doing this work. And I've been very lucky in my career. I've worked very hard. It's paid off. And, you know, now as I start buying retirement, my big goal now is like whatever little tiny bit of debt is still present, I'm paying it off. And I'm putting money away for retirement because I plan on retiring. Yeah. I can do that. I can do that because I don't have to worry about getting fired. You know what I mean. Uh, So
0: there's
1: there's wonderful benefits in being self-employed: the freedom, and if you manage your money wisely, you can have a very comfortable life. And also, Sarah, I've met so many amazing people in my work. Oh my God, people I would have never met if I was just working in an office. So one of the things I'm also really grateful for is that I've had the great pleasure of connecting with people all over the world who have just made my life so full and rich and and blessed and I I just can't I mean you can't put a price tag on that the ability to connect with people peers or colleagues or clients from every place in the world and those connections are just again they add so much to my life
0: yeah oh I I love that I it is so cool I like, think of the, diff- the, the path not taken and all the people that we wouldn't have met by being part of
1: this like fantastic, weird, amazing community. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and think about with the internet, especially. Yes. I mean, the internet really did change my business and my life. I cannot believe some of the, I would have never met you if it wasn't for the internet, you know? Probably not. <laughs> this is how we connect. This internet has also made it, it much easier for us to recognize how small the world is.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm as much as i i love always in real life relationships and the tangible world the internet is is truly a magical opportunity for us and it's so yeah i mean especially for tarot now it's like you're not you know the the oddball in your high school trying to figure this out you are a a leader of an entire community
1: <laughs> absolutely and for people who are just getting started i mean you have the ability now to connect with readers who've been doing this a long long time and become friends with them at conferences and stuff I mean I remember the first conference I went to when I met Mary Greer and Rachel Pollock. I thought I was gonna vomit I was so excited <laughs> yes oh my gosh yeah and now we're good friends I mean I would have that would have never happened if it wasn't for the internet so I'm grateful for the internet The
0: three of you in a room together would be pretty vomit
1: worthy. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I love them both so much. (laughs) Um, They've just been amazing sources of support. But again, the internet brings us together. So Mm -hmm. there are some people who hate the internet and hate social media. And some of them are my colleagues. And I just want to tell them, you guys, you're looking at it all wrong. It's very good for your business, but it's also very good to get that support. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, we kind of all need each other.
0: Yes. There's only so much that our
1: cats and dogs can do as well. We do need well, other. <laughs> yeah, my, my cats would beg to differ. They think that they give me everything I need. So <laughs> they'll, they'll find out that Sarah. All right. My dog would, my dog would do the same, but no, the, the connection.
0: And it is, is through the, the connections, the expansion of the mutual support that this becomes a more, not just a, a more and more um, mainstream and, and uh, accessible like business, but we are also able to help more people as more people find out about it. And that so much of that happens yep. through this online connection space, which is awesome.
1: And we're also able to help each other out yes. in this community. And I think that is really, really important. You know, our Milwaukee, Tarot community, I'm based in Milwaukee. We're very friendly. There's a couple of us who are old dogs who've been at this forever. And we've, over the years, we've, we've referred work to each other. We've been supportive to each other when things have been rough. Um, And now with the online community, you've got people there to help you to say, hey, listen, how do you work this uh, technology thing? Or I have a friend who's been helping me learn about Patreon. This is stuff I wouldn't, I'd have to figure out on my own, but my lovely colleagues and peers, oh my God, I mean, we are in it to help each other and that's the way it should be.
0: I love it so much. You're like making me, making me feel feelings. Um, <laughs> I, I'm an air sign. Sorry. I'm like, what's a feeling? I'm an um, air sign too. <laughs> <laughs> what's a feeling? <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about, uh, about your books and about like this next mm-hmm. chapter that you've opened up? Um, I didn't mean that to be quite so punny. Um, this next phase in your business as you step into considering retirement, but also now really taking the, the experience you have and almost codifying it to, to share with all of us. What has this process been like?
1: Well, you know, it's been a beautiful, long journey at times. It's been very challenging and coming into the role of an author um, has been very exciting. Uh, uh, writing a book changes your life. It really does. Because once you get a book out there, suddenly, I think, first of all, it opens you up to a whole new audience and it does give you a bit more legitimacy. Um, so when my first book came out, the book did really well. And, it introduced my work to a whole new fantastic audience that I've really loved working with. Um, it's been interesting with the other two books that I've just released in the last year, "Terror for Troubled Times with my good friend Shaheen Miro has also been really helpful in connecting us to new people and astrology for real life. I wrote my astrology book and I have to laugh because that book was has done really well. And I think it was surprising because so many people assume I'm just a tarot, one trick tarot pony. And I'm like, I've been doing astrology longer than tarot. And so when I put the book out, uh, it really surprised people. And it surprised me at how well it did. The book's been doing amazing. I'm very proud of it. It's been helping people a lot. And it's again, it's also opening me up to new audiences, new conversations. So I've been having a great deal of fun with this authorly thing. I have another book coming out in September. I can't talk about it totally yet because my (laughs) publisher hasn't um, put anything out there. Um, And then I'm working on two book deals right now. And that's the other thing that happens when you get a book out there. Suddenly, publishers are interested in working with you if your book does decent. So It's really opened up a lot of doors. It's opened up doors for me to be a main stage speaker at tarot conferences. It's opened up doors for me to uh, be doing, I'm doing a retreat in Italy this year. None of this would happen if it wasn't for those books. So having a book really changes things. And now, as I am again heading towards retirement age, I'm going to have a lot of books under my belt over the next couple of years. And I'm slowly putting money away for the retirement and looking at passing on the baton or I suppose we should say the wand to <laughs> the younger reader. So I'm always encouraging younger readers. Let's get out there, come on, get your business going. You you gotta pull up the slack. A lot of us are going to retire. Come on, come on, come on. So <laughs> I really want to see more young readers step up their game, go pro. And I also want to advise them keep learning, yes. keep learning, keep learning, take classes, go to conferences take business classes, all of that, so that you can really serve people in the best way possible. So I would say, you know, it's been a really interesting journey, not how I expected my life to turn out, but I'm very glad everything unfolded as it did. And this, this authorly thing has been pretty amazing. I, I've really enjoyed that portion of my career.
0: Uh, can you talk to us a bit about your writing process and how you start to synthesize, I mean, all this experience into, into yeah into books. It's just so cool. (laughs) I think writing is fascinating.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I've always loved writing since I've been a child. I loved to journal and all of that. And uh, when I was approached by my first publisher to write the tarot coloring book, I'm like, holy cats, I've written a blog for years. I don't know about writing a book, but let me see what I can do. And we came up with the concept and gave them a proposal, they came back, loved it. So, you know, the first thing was to get the proposal accepted. Now it's like, okay, now you got a green light. I'm extremely disciplined in my life. I'm very disciplined with my blog and my podcasting. So that wasn't really hard. But what I needed to do, and this is how I do all my books, once I have the idea, once I have the green light from the publisher, I begin by putting down an outline. And I also do what I call a word vomit. I Put all my ideas down. I mean, I journal it by hand, and from there, then I try to organize those notes as best as I can, and then I just begin writing the first, the first draft. And my first draft is always awful. It's terrible. It's disgusting. <laughs> I hate it. Halfway through, I'm like, ah, this sucks. This going to be the worst book ever. But I don't stop. I just keep like just suck it up and just do it. And then once I get the first draft done, from there, I go in like a surgeon and I extract the best things and then I start rewriting the book. And that's when it starts taking shape. And so then there will be a second rewrite. Once I'm done with the rewrite, then I go over and I'm like, am I happy with it? If I'm not, I go back in and I redo it again. Then the next process is I take it to my editor who actually happens to be my daughter. I have my daughter. Yeah. My daughter actually has an MFA in creative writing. She's brilliant at um, grammar and punctuation. And she's also very socially conscious. And because she's my daughter, she's tarot and um, astrologically fluent. So I have her go over everything and, she fixes what we call my comma problem. <laughs> she's, also, <laughs> she's also done editing for other metaphysical authors like Angela Macios, um, and somebody else I can't remember who recently. So she's, she's edited a couple, of, a couple of us on the slide, but I, I don't make it a slide thing. I'm, I'm always saying she is just the best editor, period. So she uh, edits my work, gives it back to me with all of her thoughts. Then I go back and I edit it one more time. And then it goes to the publisher. And then when it gets to the publisher, then the publisher comes back. And if they accept the manuscript, then they send me an editor and then I work with their editor to fine tune it. You know, even then there's, you'll still make a mistake here or there. I I want authors to know it's okay, that does happen. But it's a very long editing process. Um, I always want to give the best version of my book to my publisher before we begin editing together. So that's my process. It's tedious, but it works.
0: I love that you're talking about discipline and, and tedium because I think that they're overlooked frequently and uh, for a lot of folks who are drawn to things like tarot, we kind of want like fast answers. How have you developed this discipline? Is this something,
1: Did were, were you bored that way? Actually, our whole family, we're all a bunch of workaholics and we enjoy ah, working. Great. And my father, I like to say my father was a classic German. Everything was on German time. Uh, You know, the German, what do they say? The German trains always run on time. Um, So my father was very much about time, time management, work, hard work. My father loved to work. And so my, me and all three of my siblings, you will not find one lazy person in our family. We all actually enjoy working and we're all extremely disciplined. The only thing is my younger brother and my younger sister are always late. That's the only thing they didn't inherit. Uh, But my older brother and I, we tend to be always on time and we are hyper-disciplined. So I would like to say it's in our blood.
0: I imagine that has served you very well. I see a lot of folks who need to learn discipline in order to do the kinds of projects that you're discussing. So that's got to be super helpful. Also,
1: if you want to be a business owner, you have to be disciplined and consistent. Yep. And if you can't be disciplined and consistent, then you need to make sure you let people know that I only work in the summer or I'm taking a time out or dear publisher, this book is going to take me a year to create. You should let people know upfront how you work so they don't feel like, wow, Teresa's flaking out. They need to know exactly how you work. So if you are someone that you think, well, maybe I'm not that disciplined or consistent, that's not a problem, but you have to let people know that. Yes.
0: And that comes back to this figuring out how you want to work, what your boundaries are, how you want to feel, and then actually communicating that effectively so that folks have a proper expectation of you.
1: Absolutely, because if you don't, people are going to have their expectations. Yeah. And you, can, you have to make sure that you engineer those expectations. You know, for example, most of the tarot people I know work uh, a regular job, and this is something they do on the side. And sometimes people assume you're available 24-7, and they don't convey that. Hey this is my part-time gig. I can only do two readings a week. You have to let people know. You have to. It really helps them out a lot.
0: I'm curious. I, I want to know what you think about this because I what I see too on the other side of that is, is that there's a lot of like maybe secret or not so secret shame about doing tarot on the side. Like it should be your full-time job. And if you still have another job like that, people are afraid that folks won't take you as seriously. Um, and I see that a lot with folks um, that I work with um, that you know they're afraid to admit that they aren't full-time in their business. Um, but what, what do you think?
1: I think there's no shame in being part-time. And for so many people, part-time makes more sense. And let me tell you why. First of all, the realities of being a full-time reader means that you're paying for your own health insurance. You are paying for every (laughs) single expense. Everything comes out of your pocket. If I break a tooth, guess what? There's no dental insurance unless it's insurance I pay for. Um, If I break a leg, I don't get a paid vacation. (laughs) I don't get paid sick days. These are all things that people have to to think about. And also, when you are working full-time, your income varies. There are times when I'm so busy, and I'm making really good money, and then there's times where it's more quieter. So it requires a great deal of fiscal discipline to ride the ups and downs. You have to have the stomach for that, and you have to be okay with that, and many people are not. Now, for example, I have a good friend who works part-time as a tarot reader, and she works full-time got a job because she needs the health insurance because she has a physical condition that is very expensive. And if she had to get her own health insurance, she'd be screwed. And there, so there's no shame in this. And I tell people, don't be ashamed of that. You don't have to make, you don't even have to explain this to anybody. If people think that's weird, that's their problem. But you know what, Sarah, most people don't care. All they care about is, are you reliable? Are you going to take good care of me? Do I feel safe with you? Do I like your personality? They're not going to care if you are full-time or part-time or if you are a disabled person doing readings. They don't care. You just have to care enough to show up and do a good job. There's no shame in part-time. And I'm going to tell you there's very few people who actually work full-time in this work because it is, it is scary to have an unstable income. And health insurance is not cheap. I pay a lot for health insurance. Same. Terrible. I had hand
0: surgery at the end of last year and I am full time. uh, It's just just me. (laughs) People are like, How are you managing it? I was like, With all of my own money. (laughs) Yeah. Managing it great. Um, But I love this. There is no shame. And, you know, we, like when we place those, those restrictions on ourselves, I think we really prevent ourselves from um, from helping more people and from getting to do work that we love. Like I'm, I yeah. love that you said that. Thank you so much because I hope, I hope everyone listening who's like, I don't know if I'm a real reader because I'm not full-time. <laughs> if,
1: if you are reading cards and people are paying you for it, you are a real reader. Yeah. And by the way, for a lot of people, if they're listening, I'm going to say this. If you've got a job that pays you and you enjoy your day job, let's say, and it pays your health insurance and it pays well, well, guess what? You're going to be more relaxed when you're doing your tarot readings then. yes, You're not going to be stressing about, oh my God, I've got to take on this terrible client. You actually, in a really weird way, have the advantage that full-time readers don't. So not only is there no shame in it, but there's an advantage. You can work more relaxed there's no urgency. You don't have to take on X amount of clients. It's a way to supplement your income. It is a way to really set yourself up very, very nicely and still keep the benefits of your regular job. So no shame in it. You've got an advantage. You need to you need to turn around and reframe the way you're looking at this. Mm.
0: Thank you, Teresa. I know that folks listening are going to benefit from that. And I want to thank you for spending this time with me today. It has been such a treat to chat and to hear your stories and to receive the, some of the benefit of your
1: experience. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I love talking to and I love talking business and I love talking with you.
0: And Teresa, where can folks find you on the Internet or Magical Internet uh, if they want to learn more about you, they want to work with you, they want to buy your books?
1: They can find me at the and they can find me all over social media. My handle is always the Lady.
0: I love it. You got, you got the branding on lock, Teresa. So good. I did.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll get all of that linked up in the show notes. So you guys make sure you go and check out Teresa and check out her books as well. And Teresa, thank you. It is such a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you. Y'all listening at home, thank you for listening. We are here because of you. Without you, I I would not make this. So we're grateful for you, for your attention. And if you enjoyed this episode, what I would love for you to do is to take a take a little screenshot of you listening to it on your phone or write out a little something, letting us know what you got out of this. And then make sure you tag me uh, at Sarah M. Chapel and Teresa at The Tarot Lady. And uh, let us know what you thought and share this so that more folks can hear Teresa sharing her 30 plus years of tarot wisdom. Oh my God. And we want to talk to you on the internet. So I will see you there. Bye for now.